0: These are the extraordinary tales of those who put everything on the line to succeed. This is The Adventurers with me, Sam Cowan. Roger Finch loves the ocean. He talks about the sea as though it's a lady sometimes moody, sometimes angry, sometimes kind, always fully alive.
1: Well, the ocean's full of life. The ocean itself is a life. Um, unfortunately, we're damaging it a lot. But, you know, it's just the life out there, and I absolutely love it. The colours, or oh, total lack of colours. <laughs> grey sky, grey ocean, you can't see the horizon or anything. And at night, all the stars, providing you've got no cloud cover, or a lighthouse when you're leaving Dover. You, I watched that for a while, and every day, And again, the light would catch me from the lighthouse. And I was so excited because I could see something in the pitch black. No, I love the sea. It's it's so natural. And you've got to become one with it. Whereas not so much with the pool. Yes, you have to be smooth and and, and don't fight the water in the pool. But uh, the ocean throws up swells and currents and winds and chop. And you soon learn to become at one with it. It's, It's beautiful out there.
0: The first time I swam with Roger, he'd forgotten to bring his costume to the pool. My friend Karen and I arrived with the same goal: we were going to swim from Robin Island to Bloberg Strand by the end of the year. It was May, and Roger had offered to train us for what Swimming World magazine ranks number five on the list of the toughest swims in the world. I'd never met Roger, but I knew of him by reputation. He swum the English Channel, the Catalina Channel, around Manhattan Island, and that set of swims is called the Triple Crown, and he's the only South African to have done it. He was off later to Switzerland in the air to swim the length of Lake Zurich, a distance of over 26 kilometers. He'd done about 20 Robin Island crossings, and he really knew his stuff, and he had offered to help Karen and I fulfill a dream. And he would start by swimming in his underpants. You don't mind, do you, he asked. And we didn't because we minded a lot more about the temperature of the water, a chilly 19 degrees. No caps, said Roger. And we looked at him stunned. We said, but it's cold. Robin Island will be colder. No cap until the temperature dips below 18. So no cap it was. The water was so cold our heads hurt and our fingers and toes went yellow. But Roger is the hardest working dreamer I know. And his first lesson for us was focus and training and focusing on training.
1: At our Master's Club, the one girl who's a bit of a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist, college, I don't know what. She called me obsessive compulsive. Okay, look, well, if you're not obsessed about your dream and compulsive to achieve it, then how are you gonna do it? Never told you that, but <laughs> I don't take it as a bad term, I take it as a good term.
0: I can't imagine Roger anywhere else but next to water. But before he started doubling as Aquaman, he had spent the first half of his life on land in a world of crazy. He was the Buzz Lightyear of the action world, to infinity and beyond. He raced superbikes in the Isle of Man TT, and when that wore off, he took up show jumping. And he mastered that until he was competing in show after show. And in fact, he might have stuck with it, but for a fall that resulted in a broken pelvis and the fear that he might never walk properly again. And when I asked him, he said that was the lowest moment of his life.
1: Whoa, realizing I was going to spend months in bed, they had to bolt me back together, but they couldn't do that for a week until my internal bleeding had uh, stopped and the inflammation had subsided and I hadn't ever been to hospital. And um, now when the doc was saying, you get him an air mattress, he's going to be in here for a long time, to the sister, and I was saying, who, for him? they just used to say to me you'll see yeah, and that was the start of a month they left me alone staring at the ceiling and um, I, I was in shock total shock at months where I wasn't even allowed to go to the toilet or bath or anything I had to lie still for months and um, I thought to myself okay you've got to put some rules in place here Raj. I said okay uh, painkillers, no painkillers because when you need them they probably won't work Then I said, um, boredom, boredom brings with it other ugly things like depression. And poor me, why me? And they were looking after me so well that uh, I couldn't let them see me down because they were doing such a good job. Oh, and the third most important one, don't ever press that button for the sister to come. Never, (laughs) never, ever. Only when you're really in dire straits. And then once I got those rules in place, I said, right, this is the start of a long journey and... Are the boredom's going to win or you are? And I said, nah, I'm going to win this one.
0: And Roger did win that one. It was a slow road back. He started by standing for seconds at a time and then minutes and then walking and then swimming as a form of rehab. Now, from the outside, swimming looks pretty simple. You need very little equipment, a costume, a cap and goggles. But simple doesn't equal easy. I think preparation for a long swim is like an iceberg. There's not much to see at first glance, but there's a world of stuff you need to know and how to do under the surface. Roger told me he starts preparing at least a year ahead, and for some swims, like the English Channel, even longer.
1: Generally, generally you've got an idea of the swims at least a year ahead. English Channel, you'll be two and a half years ahead, uh, and you start watching people who've swum it, their videos that they've posted on YouTube. You you study the, the, the live tracking and how the swim will go. You obviously you have to talk to people, get get first-hand experience from them. Uh, a friend of mine, Andy Pfaff in Cape Town, he helped me with the English Channel You know, because I didn't have a clue what goes on. But silly things like you don't realize the tide doesn't come in and out in Dover. Not at all. The tide sweeps up the channel and the tide ebbs and goes back out the channel. So it fills from right to left and empties left to right. So when you start swimming, you'll be swept up towards Belgium depending on, when your pilot wants you to start. And then the tide will go into slack tide where it starts to turn and then it'll start sweeping back the other way. So they've got to plan and pilot very carefully and watch your stroke rate, your progress and what the tide is doing and what the winds are doing. I was very lucky. When I started my channel, I had wind with the tide. So I was swimming like a superstar. Each 1,500 meters I put in was the equivalent of making a final in the Olympic Games, 1,500 meters. That's how fast we were going. But it's because of the wind was with the tide once the tide changed and the wind stayed the wrong direction it was wind against tide and all of a sudden we went very very slowly um i think i went through halfway in four hours 50 something into the separation zone and then i only finished at 12 hours 35. so you can never you never ever know what's going to happen to you in the swim never because Tides change. change. You've got to understand that. You've got to know it.
0: Otto is one of Roger's closest friends and swim partners. And he and Roger have been together on quite a few swims. When Otto became the oldest man in history to swim the English Channel, Roger was by his side.
1: And then, uh, yes, I swam with him. And then coming into France was fantastic. It was, as I say, just before midnight. And the boat stayed off the shore because of the rocks and it's shallow. And um, we're walking out and... I wasn't too steady on his feet, and we're walking together. And he stops, he says, Rog, there's two penguins on the beach. I go, yeah. Now, the boat, the, the boat was shining a light, you know, to show us which way to the beach. I said, you're right. He says, but there's no penguins in France. I said, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing there. And we carried on walking. He says, they're coming towards us. I said, yeah, and they're getting bigger. It turned out to be our shadows. As Otto's walking, he's wobbling along with his arms out. And we looked just like penguins. One tall penguin and one short penguin. Oh, did we laugh? Oh, we laughed like mad. It's those kind of things that, that money can't buy. And it doesn't cost you anything to help. You've obviously got to make sure the swimmer's got the right mental approach and discipline. But what Tracy did do is she packed, she put a backpack on me to swim in with. So we could collect some stones for France off the beach and two Heineken's. So we shared a Heineken on the beach, sat down in the water, just looked out there, beautiful evening. I mean, that that memory. So I cleared up, obviously, the tins and uh, we had a whole pile of pebbles and stones in in my backpack. And I could hardly swim back. (laughs) You're struggling. Afterwards, I took that that Heineken tin and we, we made a trophy for him. And it's a in place in his study. He's got his, his trophy, his Heineken tin. Um, as I say, you know, those kind of memories, it's, they, they're special, very special.
0: One of, if not the most frequent question asked of sea-distance swimmers is, aren't you afraid of sharks? And there's a lot more than sharks in that water to worry about, but the Great White is the pin-up model for all the scariness of the ocean. So it's only fair that one should feature somewhere in one of Roger's greatest stories, the tale of the Chinese shipping trawler, and Albert.
1: Weather was bad in Cape Town. I needed to train in the ocean uh, for my Catalina channel swim after Manhattan. So I contacted my kayaker, Ian. He said, no problem, I'll take off work and we'll go out to the bellboy. It's about five kilometers off the coast, but you swim at an angle, so it's a decent train swim. And I raced out there because the swell was behind me. And then Ian, I said to him, no man, get the camera out here at Bellboy, take some photos and I was hoping, I know uh, below Bellboy, all the ragged tooth sharks gather and hang out there, the the moms when they're going to have babies, but they don't bother you or anything, they just look scary and he said, I can't look what you've got to get back through and I looked and I went, oh my gosh it was just going one way out to sea and uh, I said, oh well that's it, we're in for good training and he said he couldn't because he'd fall out his kayak if he let go the oars so um, he went ahead, and somehow he did. But in going ahead, he lost me, and I lost him. And after about 10 minutes of swimming, I, I couldn't see him anywhere. Couldn't see him anywhere. And I thought, no, man. I thought, no, he can't see me, but he's on top of the, the water. I thought, no, I'm getting blown back out. I better keep going. So I kept going another 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a kilometer or so. And I stopped again, and I looked. Nothing, nothing. Now I thought, oh, my gosh. He's experienced guy. What's happened to this guy? And, um... You know, obviously straight away I thought, well, the only thing that could really affect him is a great white, unless a whale came up underneath him, but but I doubt that. And then I heard this drone underwater, and I stopped and I looked, and he has this Chinese fishing trawler heading straight for me, this massive thing. And I thought, they can't even see me. And I thought, swim for it? Yes, no. And so I try to swim for it, and uh, they changed course a bit and actually came next to me. They'd seen me out there, around about three kilometers out to sea on my own and thought I'd been blown out to sea. And I said, have you seen a kayak around here? And they looked at me. <laughs> they didn't know what I was talking about. They shouted at me in Mandarin or something. And then they threw a rope ladder down the side. And I looked at it. I thought, oh, yeah, you better get on here. Better get on. It's not good being out here on your own. Then I looked at this. And I thought, nah, they're going to dock in the harbour. I can't get out of the harbour. And I'm just in my speedo. And my keys are locked in Ian's boot. And I haven't got a phone. I haven't got anything. I can't get from the harbour to the back to Hobie Beach. So I thought, no, no, I'm swimming for it. I'm going to finish my training. So I did. And I just saw them all shaking their heads and I took off. Anyway, I got back. And after half an hour, Ian came back in and he had lost me. So he stayed out there looking for me all over. And he decided it was time to come and alert NSRI. And I was also decided the same thing for him. But yeah, we had a good chat. And a few days later, I went to Osearch website. And they've been tagging all the great whites around the world. And they've done quite a few in SA. And I went to have a look where the action is in case I go back to Cape Town. And I saw something in Mandela Bay, and I zoomed in on it. And I thought, but that's where I was. I think it was the 22nd, 23rd. And I asked Lindsay, and she said, yeah. I said, what time is this? 11 o'clock, yeah. And here, when I measure on, on Google Earth, here is this great white tracking in. And he came across the same direction as the trawler did. And then when the trawler left me, they carried on to the harbour and I carried on to the beach and he turned and he swam all the way into the beach with me and he hung around there till the evening and he went back out to sea. And his, his, He was nicknamed Albert.
0: False Bay is home to many sharks, like lots, like hundreds and most people wouldn't attempt to cross False Bay. It's the same distance as the English Channel but the English Channel doesn't have any sharks.
1: And the evening before there was a feeding frenzy in the entire false bay and it was just wild with action and sharks were going mad and you've never seen anything like it and okay look i gotta be crazy and they told me i wasn't allowed to swim before sunup or after sundown because there was around about 200 great whites in the bay at the time and um i had a few thoughts about it then i just decided you know what whatever's out there tomorrow morning is well fed so yeah i was at peace with that and I slept well and uh, everything went well until a, a massive seal came underneath me. The water was beautiful, crystal clear. And I was in another world and I'd forgotten they told me these seals around. And this massive seal came underneath me quite fast on his back. So he was facing me, looking at me. I just saw these white markings and this big thing going at a fair speed. <laughs> I took off out the water and my mind saying seal, seal. But my body had left my mind behind already it was gone and uh, fortunately i didn't touch the boat and oh they couldn't stop laughing and again liz was on the boat to support and otto and um they just said that's for sure one thing's for sure roger you can walk on water <laughs>
0: hilarious as that is for me when i'm talking to roger i'm not his wife and i had to wonder how does she cope how does he reassure her
1: she's she's very good you know She's very, very good. We were going out when we were at school. We met at school. Uh, going out since then. Got married. She knows me really well, and um, she knows, you know, that I do put a lot of homework into it. You know, I'm not just gonna go jump in a an area, even though there's sharks there. It's it's a, it's, ca- it's all calculated. It's looked at. False Bay. I had three boats, all with shark shields. One behind me, and one on either side. And a kayak here in front of me. So so it, it's well prepared. It's not just get in and go. Okay, don't worry about me. I'm a tough man. I'm not. I'm not the tough man. Um, you know, I do my homework and make sure. Okay, what procedures... That's we put in place
0: i trained with roger for eight months i saw him push himself and us in the pool through the coldest temperatures a Joburg winter can offer he never complained and he was always waiting with coffee after a shower for some feedback or just to talk about swimming kind of the way you've been hearing now and of course our conversation ended the way it began with the ocean
1: um that's a it's a beautiful world out there especially the ocean and the life that lives in it
0: roger will be swimming the cook straight next the Cook Strait is the body of water separating the North and South Islands of New Zealand. It's very cold and has huge tidal flows. And to date, there have only been 94 successful crossings. I'm Sam Cowan, and I hope you've enjoyed this incredible story. To see photos from Roger's amazing swims, both locally and internationally, visit The Adventurers on the 702 or Cape Talk websites. You can also subscribe to the series to have the podcast automatically download to your listening device.